know what you're listening to. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. We continue here on this edition of uh, Snowman in the Morning, and I want to welcome from Barrett Sports Media, Dimitri Ravanos. I haven't had him on in a while, but I got him now. Dimitri, how are you, my friend? Good to talk to you. I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Haven't had you on in a while. It's good to have you back. So let's get the elephants in the room. Let, let's get the elephants in the room right now. And I start with what I All let right. off with this morning. In Carson Wentz. Apparently, a deal was supposed to be made for him to go to Chicago. That hasn't happened. A deal was supposed to be made. A rumor was for him to go to Indianapolis. That hasn't happened. I gave my thoughts this morning. Why hasn't Carson went? Why hasn't a Carson Wentz move gone down yet? I think Carson Wentz, if he gets moved, I think it's going to be a matter of Philadelphia has to probably accept that the market is what the rest of the NFL wants to give up for Carson Wentz, not what they're demanding they get back for Carson Wentz. You know what's funny is I was thinking about this in terms of the potential to land um, Deshaun Watson a few weeks ago when the Matt Stafford trade went down. And I compare it to, uh, I want to say the 08 draft, but forgive me, I cannot remember which one it actually was where the Raiders made Darius Hayward Bay the first receiver picked in that draft. Uh, and Michael Crabtree, who everybody absolutely believed was the best receiver in the country, hands down, ended up going, I want to say, three or four picks later to the San Francisco 49ers. And, uh, you know, uh, Crabtree wanted to be paid commiserate with being believed to be the best rookie wide receiver available Mm -hmm. not with what actually happened i I think that every now and then you have these moments where a an overly aggressive or slightly out of touch decision maker personnel decision maker sets the market in a way that is absurd by comparison to what other people are willing to do and it really raises uh, the stakes, or maybe I should say what it really does is slow down the ability to get other deals done because the teams that are looking to trade their quarterback have to come back to earth and realize that not everybody is going to be as aggressive as the Los Angeles Rams are. That is so true right now, and that's what we're seeing with this quarterback carousel that, in effect, starts with Deshaun Watson. And there's rumors of him going to many, many places. We'll get to Deshaun Watson in just a moment. It's like you said, and it's like what I said earlier in the program, Philadelphia's asking a Keen's ransom when they're about to get a pauper's ransom for Carson Wentz because except for the year that he sort of kind of took him to the Super Bowl, but we all know it was Nick Foles that took him the rest of the way, Carson Wentz hasn't done much. Yeah, I think that what you are looking at, you mentioned that a deal was supposed to be done. You mentioned both Chicago and Indianapolis. I I can't speak for Chicago. Here is what I picked up on pretty quickly out of Indianapolis. Frank Reich wants that deal done way more than Chris Ballard does. And Chris Ballard as the GM is the one that gets to decide what the offer is going to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
Frank Wright can want all he wants his former quarterback in Philadelphia to be his uh, current quarterback in Indianapolis. The fact of the matter is Chris Ballard has a history of being measured and not overly aggressive on the trade market. And that is that going to be a problem for Frank Reich in terms of wanting Carson Wentz? And my backup question is, is Carson Wentz going to work in Indianapolis? So, so the second part is a really interesting question. I think both he and Frank Reich believe the answer is yes, because I think that this is not about Carson Wentz or Frank Reich. This is just the nature of the competitiveness of guys that play and coach uh, sports for a living, they believe if they captured magic, if they captured lightning in a bottle, they are the ingredients necessary to recreate it. Um, I, I don't know necessarily that he would go to Indianapolis and immediately that is a Super Bowl contender. I, I don't know that I believe that because I think for the better part of two seasons, Carson Wentz has been maybe not bad. He certainly was bad this year. But overall, during that time span, you would say he was nothing special, right? So there are and, – and, I mean, look, to be fair, Phillip Rivers was nothing particularly special for the Colts this year, and they managed to make the playoffs. So we can't rule out that Wentz could be a difference maker. I just don't know that I have enough evidence to believe that is real. I mean, just a couple of years before he was told, you know, thanks for your services, time to move on from L.A., Phillip Rivers – was leading a team that we all believed, if not for the Kansas City Chiefs, may have been the best in the AFC that year. Mm-hmm, because they finished second behind uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is including a win in Kansas City on Thursday Night Football. It was 2018 when that happened. Dimitri Ravenel's joining me here as we go around the NFL. Now to the biggest elephant in the room, which is Deshaun Watson. He wants out of Houston. Yeah. He... Doesn't he hasn't indicated as far as I know where he wants to go. I made my case yesterday for Carolina to be blowing the phones off of the hooks of Houston saying we want Deshaun Watson. Here are my two questions for that. Does Deshaun Watson okay. fit in Carolina and what does Carolina give up for him? Uh, okay, so so two really good questions. First of all, I do want to correct something you said, at least according to Ian Rappaport. He has said, uh, Deshaun Watson's representatives have said they prefer Denver or San Francisco. Right, okay. Um, and that they really are not in love with the idea of the Jets. Now, are any of those teams Carolina? No, so really kind of irrelevant to what we're talking about. Yeah, but yeah. I, I do think Denver and Carolina are similar in the sense that if I am Houston, that is who I am talking to because San Francisco – the Jets, to a certain extent, um, Indianapolis, like any team, Chicago would be another one in this boat. Any team that adding Deshaun Houston to the roster, Deshaun Watson to the roster, excuse me, um, immediately makes a playoff contender. If I'm Houston, you're going to have to give me three number ones before I even answer the phone. Mm -hmm. And again, for, for that level of team that can totally reverse their fortunes, by adding Deshaun Watson. Denver is not a Deshaun Watson away. Carolina is not a Deshaun Watson away. So you ask me what it might take to get Deshaun Watson uh, to Charlotte. I mean, probably two firsts, at least one, if not two seconds, and then probably a young defender capable of starting right away. I know some people have uh, suggested 
that maybe Christian McCaffrey might be a part of this as well. I, I don't know if I'm Houston that I'm interested in a big money running back who can't stay healthy. Right. Uh, but I think it starts with four picks, all high round, all first or second day picks, and then you know if I'm if I'm um, oh gosh I can't remember the Panthers' new GM's name, but if I'm him, I'm saying take a look at the roster and let's talk. All right. Now I'm going to throw this bonus question in there. And I'm okay. gonna hate my I'm gonna hate myself for doing it because it involves my team. What would it take if he he indicated interest in San Francisco? Yeah, here it comes. What does San Francisco have to give up to get Deshaun Watson? Should they move on from Garoppolo? Sure. Well, if in your own division the Rams gave up two ones, a two, a three, and a starting quarterback to get Stafford. If I am Houston, I am asking San Francisco to begin by building me my own space program because it is <laughs> so far off the charts. I, I think I think San Francisco is the one that really stands out the most of what I'm talking about here. San Francisco was in the Super Bowl last year. San Francisco, yep. their problem this year was not a, a lack of talent. It was a lack of healthy talent. Yeah. If everybody is healthy... There is no reason not to think that Deshaun Watson makes that team the favorite, if not the co-favorites alongside Tampa in the NFC exactly. going into next season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I'm if I'm Houston, man, you you got to start with three number ones because you have to go in operating from the space of thinking all of these are going to be pick number 32. Right, right. Absolutely right. I made the – let's stay in San Francisco for just a moment. I made the contention, and I continue to make the contention, that if San Francisco is healthy, and I'm talking about all the way around, Mostert, Garoppolo, yeah. Bosa, Thomas, uh, Kittle, if they stay healthy, then Tampa Bay's looking at the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl in Tampa and not Green Bay. Everyone wants to jettison Jimmy Garoppolo when just last year he took them to Miami in the Super Bowl. Why is this why is this contention to Trey Garoppolo still hot on everybody's stove right now? Because okay, uh, man, how do I say this nicely to a 49ers fan? Say it Jimmy real. Jimmy Garoppolo did Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo did not take them to Miami. He got to come along for a nice plane ride to Miami with a very good defense. I think Garoppolo, so this trade Garoppolo thing does sort of frame it as he's a liability. That's not the case. He just doesn't matter. He doesn't make them better. He doesn't make them worse. Uh, you know, the, the strength of that team is going to be A, how healthy is the defense? And B, how much can George Kittle turn those check down or, or slant patterns into? That, that was everything San Francisco did in 2019, and it worked out very well for them. Yeah. I don't think if you're San Francisco, you feel like you have to get rid of Garoppolo, mm-hmm. but I think you probably have an eye on can we upgrade because it, right. it should not be hard in terms of finding something better than what we have right now. Okay, he Sorry, was finding nice. Finding something better with what is available <laughs> than what we have right now. Okay, he was he was nice, and I understand. And I, and I understand the point. It's just the 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 49ers were just not healthy last year, but yet sure. they were the fifth rated defense in the NFL. They except I want to say except for Seattle, 
and Miami. They were in every doggone game last year. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, being in it is still a, is still an L, and that you know really killed San Francisco. Unfortunately, look as a so I am a lifelong Buccaneers fan, right? So this year worked out very well. However, however, I will say most of my existence has been being where the 49ers are in this year's draft. Well, gosh, what can we do with pick number 12? We're not going to get the best guy available. Right. We should be able to do something. And and so I think that with that standing, like if you are thinking about upgrading at quarterback and you are the 49ers, and I'm asking this legitimately because I am not one of these people that is going to pretend I know everything about Trey Lance. I right, will be right, very right, upfront right. and say, just like everyone else, I saw him play half of one game before I turned it off. Mm-hmm. Um, do you really believe Trey Lance, not in 2021, but in 2022, is better than Jimmy Garoppolo right now? I, I don't know that I know that for sure. I, you you don't know. None of us none of us know. I surely don't because, like you said, I only watched Trey Lance for a half, and then I right. turned it off. A half. Okay? Right. And the thing we know about Trey Lance, or at least what we have been fed about Trey Lance last year, was that he had quarterback talent that was – just above most of who he was playing against during mm-hmm. his time at North Dakota State. Well, the half a game that most of us saw was against Central Arkansas. Yep. And I know they have a couple of uh, defensive backs that are expected to go in the draft, but that is not the kind of challenge that the guy should be, or I guess that North Dakota State and ESPN should be putting together for him if this mm-hmm. is the one showcase game before the draft. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm used to having quarterbacks have multiple showcase games over a period of four years before they come into the NFL. See, a lot of these quarterbacks lately have been underdeveloped. And the only, the biggest argument I offer for them being underdeveloped is them leaving early. Don't get me started with, don't get me started with basketball and underdeveloped players. That's a conversation. (laughs) Look, that, that, that requires me bringing you on, a pizza, a couple of beers, and a conversation <laughs> that we'll have at a la- at a later date. But we will have that conversation. Well, I, I, I tell you what, though, <laughs> let's let's sort of compare this because let's yeah. look at the other Charlotte team, the Hornets. Right? right? The Hornets are not putting any sort of pressure on Lamelo Ball to be their starting guard tomorrow. Right? It's a matter of building up the number of minutes they feel like they can rely on him during the game. That's not the way the NFL is set up. So right? Developed. Or, you know, like, I I looked at last year's quarterback class, right? I thought that coming out of the three first-round guys, I thought that Tua was the most NFL-ready. That being said, Tua was also the one that missed the most games because he couldn't stay healthy. There always seemed to be some sort of, there is always a question mark. That is why this year is so rare that I don't wonder whether or not uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be successful. I don't wonder whether or not Zach Wilson or Justin Fields are going to be successful. I know they will be. It's yep. just a matter of, you know, gosh, I mean, say, say a prayer for poor Trevor Lawrence that he has to go to Jacksonville. He may turn into the uh, to the next, uh, wait, which one is the older card, David or Derek? David's the older da- card, right? David. The one that David, yeah. yeah. And I hate the fact that he has to 
Oh, here's, I, I know this won't happen. Folks, y'all know me. I know this won't happen. I know it won't happen because of the athlete that Trevor Lawrence is. Let me say it correctly. The quarterback that Trevor Lawrence is. And who's picking first? But if a crazy scenario happened, and it would be absolutely crazy, that Trevor Lawrence dropped to San Francisco, then what? <laughs> so I think you got all the answers to your questions. Did you watch any of his pro day? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> I mean, Urban Meyer was next to Dabo yep. the entire time at that pro day. Yes, he was. And it was like he was telling every other NFL coach and scout that was there, it's so nice of you all to show up for, I guess, for you, what is Cornell Powell's pro day? Because you have no chance to just get a quarterback. <laughs> And y'all wonder why I love having Dimitri on my show and the guests that I and the and the guests that I do have that right there. Did you see the look on Urban Meyer's face during Trevor Lawrence Pro Day? He just had this Lombardi-like look at every other coach that was watching either virtually or in person, saying, "Don't you even think." about taking my quarterback because right. it ain't going to happen. <laughs> right. And here's the other thing, too. There are – so nobody has more cap space. And that's really important. And mm -hmm. we don't quite know what the cap is going to be yet. Right. Nobody's got more cap space than Jacksonville. There are actually good offensive linemen available mm -hmm. in free agency this year. And at number 25, if you want to go get Trevor Lawrence another receiver and let him develop alongside LaVisca Chenault, who's already on the roster, and then maybe, I guess in that 25 range, maybe you're looking at Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Yeah. You're pretty set up. You're not set up right away, but you're pretty set up for the future there. Mm-hmm. There's one big missing piece in Jacksonville. Who's going to tote the rock? Because I asked this so, question about Tampa Bay all year long, and then would you know it, the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, they proved me wrong, and they did have an effective yeah. running game. That was the key word I, that was the key word I used when, when fans called in. They said, I thought Tampa, I thought you said Tampa Bay didn't have a running game. I said, No, they didn't have an effective running game. And coming out of the gate, they didn't. The last two games of the season, which were, I don't know, the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl, I think they were pretty effective. Right. You saw uh, you saw regular season Leonard turn into playoff Lenny and then Super Bowl Leonardo. Uh, yeah, very much uh, they got much better on the ground as the season went on. Look, James Robinson uh, was uh, part of the all-rookie team. I, I mean, there is reason to be optimistic about the running game mm -hmm. in Jacksonville. I think so much of that team's potential, and I'm including Trevor Lawrence, and I'm assuming Kadarius Toney right. um, as that 25th pick. I, so I'm, I'm sort of lumping them in there. So much of what they can be depends on protection. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Oh, boy. I've had so much fun talking to Dimitri. We're coming up against the break, but, man, you got to come back more often, especially when the draft comes around and we start speculating yeah. on, who, on, on who's going to go where, especially as your defending champions will get ready to face my 49ers next year. I'm calling it right now. We will see y'all right. next January because the 49ers are going to be healthy and they're also going to be ready. So, you know, y y look, you already know the setup in San Francisco and who we're getting and who we're getting back. All right. The only thing I think the right. 49ers are going to work on is an offensive line. And once they fix that offensive line, it's going to be trouble 
for some defenses to come after us. So I will say right now, you're hearing it right now on this Thursday morning, it's Tampa Bay and San Francisco for NFC Supremacy next year, and I can't wait to see it happen. That's going to be a fun one. The difference between your fan base and my fan base. I am satisfied if we go 0-16 for the next five <laughs> years because I never expected a second Super Bowl in my lifetime. <laughs> I, told, I, I said this to so many people in my wife's presence. She started to complete the sentence for me. In 2003, I forced myself to be very comfortable with this is the only time you will see your favorite team in the Super Bowl in your lifetime. <laughs> because, because God knows who we are. He knows we're not supposed to be here. He's not going to let this happen again. <laughs> and, 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 the bad, and the bad part, I was, I've been a 49er fan since 81. Montana to Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone. Yep. I'm from Chicago. I tell my family all the time, look, I'm not rooting for the Chicago Bears. I don't care if my life depended on it. My mother would ask, would look at me in the face and say, why? You're from Chicago. You can't be, you can't be a 49er fan from Chicago. I say, yes, I can, and here's why. Unlike y'all, we've had something for 25 years called a quarterback, man. That, listen, I grew up on the Gulf Coast, right? I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, yep. about two, two and a half hours from New Orleans. Crazy Saints country there. <laughs> and my my whole extended family are Saints fans. And as a child, like I would always wonder, like, why, why are you doing this to yourself? That's terrible. <laughs> I would think to myself, why are you doing this to yourself with the Saints? They're right. terrible. Let me go root for the Buccaneers. <laughs> That'll teach you. And, and, and you you know what I, I I told this story once I'll tell it I'll, I'll tell it again here um when the Bears played the 49ers in the NFC championship in 1988 January of 89 uh-huh. I looked at my I looked at my mom she looked at me everybody else in in the house getting hyped about the Bears I'm getting hyped about San Francisco I said y'all are not gonna beat us and she says, well, how do you, she says, well, how do you know? It's at Soldier Field. And, well, and? all I needed to see was Joe Montana in the teeth of a 20-mile-an-hour win throwing out pattern to Jerry Rice, and Rice turns it into a 61-yard touchdown. I went upstairs and took a nap. 88, uh, the, the 88 season, 89, those playoffs, that was the year they went to New Orleans and decimated Denver, right? <laughs> that was an, that was the um, game-winning catch against uh, Cincinnati. That was when ta- oh, okay. Okay, John then. Taylor so only I'm a year too soon j- Yep, John Taylor only caught one pass in that game and it was the game winner. And this is my final question. <laughs> I have to go I, I have to go to Rick, but I'm having so much fun here. This is my final question. Why hasn't John uh, Taylor gotten a gold jacket yet? I mean, don't ask me to explain anything that the Hall of Fame voters do. Like, there are so many dudes. Um, I know you're from Chicago, but you're in Raleigh, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, in Raleigh, like, we have a Hall of Famer here that owns a construction company because he hasn't gotten that Hall of Fame call yet. Like, by the numbers, Tory Holt deserves yes. to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. You just because... Because the committee is so small, and because they have this cap of we only take five guys, like Tory Holt, who was the best receiver on the best offense this league has ever seen, mm-hmm. is going to be in his 60s before he gets that gold jacket. <laughs> <laughs> See, you understand where I'm coming from. 
because I made I, I talked about this earlier in the week. If John Stallworth, who came from an HBCU opposite Lynn Swan, can be yep. co- be convinced to go in the Hall of Fame, then why can't a receiver like John Taylor, who also came from an HBCU, Delaware State, who alongside Jerry Rice was the only HBCU tandem to start a Super Bowl, and they started three of them, why can't John Taylor get the call? And then you mentioned Tory Holt. I mean, I mean, listen, I think that the NFL or the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I think they do it better than any of the others. That being said, the way they do it does create such a backlog, that especially <laughs> in a year when you have a Charles Woodson and a Peyton Manning. And a Peyton Manning. And you yep. only have five spots. Mm-hmm. Boy, does that push everybody back a bit. <laughs> but the good news, but what you trade with that is every year we put in five guys and we don't do the BS baseball hall of fame thing of, oh, I don't like anybody personally. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Shut up. Right? Like at this point, put Barry Bonds in the goddamn hall of fame. Thank you. Already. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Sorry, you. Thank you. Thank you. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and for that minute, will you please put the hits leader in as well in Pete Rose? I mean, you're talking about I records mean, here. Hey, all right. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. At, at this point, on a personal level, I'm so over Pete Rose. I don't care whether or not he gets in, but Barry Bonds not being in is a crime. It's a travesty. It's a travesty. Yeah. I will de- I will definitely agree with that. It is an absolute travesty that Barry Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame. I'm getting yelled at. Dimitri Ravanos from Barrett Sports Media <laughs> joining me here. The next time he comes on, I'm probably just going to clear the whole first hour, folks. I'm just telling you that right now while while this is going on. Man, an absolute delight and a pleasure, brother. You got to come back. Yeah, for sure. I'll have my agent send over my, uh, my rates for a full hour. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. Appreciate the time. All right, man. Good talking to you. That is hilarious what he just said about we don't know what's going on with the Hall, with the Hall of Fame or who does what with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But for him to actually be on my side about John Taylor and mention Tory holding the same sentence as well, that's fabulous. Coming up on a break and we will begin our two of snowman in the morning don't forget support us on patreon go to patreon.com slash sit morning that is where you can support us and we can really get this show well on the road back after this Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and auto repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamRetire.com. Time to wrap this up the right way, and that is to talk some baseball. We've done all our division previews except one. 
which we call the St. Louis Cardinals Invitational. That, of course, is the NL Central. <laughs> Max Ritz joins me from the Squadcast and the Rod Peterson Show, a very, very dear friend, to break down the Cardinals Invitational. Maxie, how are you, man? Fantastic, Brian. Looking forward to it. Okay, let's just get it out of the way. Nolan Arenado joins the Cardinals the same way a couple years ago Paul Goldschmidt runs from the NL West to the NL Central. How dangerous is this Cardinals team? Uh, they're the only dangerous team in the NL Central. I've been compiling my <laughs> notes, doing my research, Brian, and it didn't take much. As soon as we saw that trade go down a couple of weeks ago, it was it uh, instantaneously became the Cardinals' division to lose. Nolan Arenado is a premier third baseman in this game, and he is going to do some serious damage in this division. Him, Paul Goldschmidt, those are the corner infielders that are toughest to match in all of the National League, and I cannot wait to see the Cardinals whoop up on this division. It is going to be a slaughtering. There is no question about it. <laughs> Nolan Arenado takes this team from great to serious contender coming out of the NL Central. And I don't see another team contending with them. Not Milwaukee, not the Cubs, especially not the Cubs. The Cubs are imploding. Let's go. Let, let, let's go there. I made this statement in production in my production meeting this morning and you know people a couple of folks looked at me like i'm crazy but then they went to do their research like you did like you and i do and they looked at me and said you know what you're right this is going to be a slaughterhouse because the cut let's yeah we'll go to chicago the cubs are imploding right before our eyes and i wouldn't be surprised Absolutely. if they made a couple of moves before the trade deadline to start selling and selling fast Oh, exactly. And that's the thing when it comes to the Cubs, right? Jock Peterson was an interesting ad, but it's certainly not a game changer, especially when you see what the Cardinals have done to load up here. Zach Davies leading the rotation with Kyle Hendrick. Uh, the departures of you, Darvish, it's, it's simply not enough to overcome. Their rotation is in shambles. The Chris Bryant trade rumors continue to be rampant. And as you said, nearing the trade deadline, it would not shock me whatsoever to see a contending team load up a nice little package to send back to Chicago. Uh, to get Chris Bryant on that ball club. But you got an aging Anthony Rizzo. Again, some key pieces left the rotation. There's just not a lot there that's making me feel like it's the Cubs of 2016 anymore. It is, uh, like I said, going back to it, it's the Cardinals Invitational, and the Cubs are just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, and, and Milwaukee too, for that matter. I mean, Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich are a couple of pieces, but there's just not enough in in Milwaukee, although I think... Of any team in the National League Central, Milwaukee would make this the most would would make it an interesting chase. It's it's the Cardinals or it's nothing from the National League Central. The most interesting team that can make this a chase would be Milwaukee. Yeah, 100%. And they are getting some love in the preseason power rankings. I see they're getting some some rave reviews kind of projected to be an 89 to 90 win team. I think that's their top end ceiling. That's if everything goes absolutely right. And I do have to say this, Colton Wong was a free agent that I know that being a Blue Jays fan, we certainly coveted him north of the border before the Marcus Semien signing. So I love that move by the Brewers, but it's not enough. Like you said, 
Christian Yelich is there. Lorenzo Cain is there. But they really rely on their bullpen. Josh Hader, uh, Devin Williams, those are the two guys that really squeak out ball games for them at the back end of it. And they rely on a lot of low-scoring ball games, large, largely led by offensive production from, as you mentioned, Kane, Yelich, and soon-to-be Colton Wong. I like the additions that they made, but I do not think it's enough to compete over a full season with the St. Louis Cardinals. It simply isn't enough. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, good starters, but again, not enough to compete with the power bat that St. Louis has at their disposal. Max Witz joining me here to talk uh, National League Central and the Cardinals Invitational. The, the signing of Nolan Arenado takes the Cardinals from a 90-win team to borderline a 110-win team. This team is going to have some offense, but they also got the pitching to match. To, to match. That's the big thing for St. Louis. Yeah, 100%. And when you've got Adam Wainwright coming back, it plugs any rotational hole that they had. There's still a couple of names on the market that St. Louis could certainly be in the running for. That's the nice thing about acquiring $50 million on top of Nolan Arenado, is that, again, it gives you that financial leverage to still go out and get that remaining one or two pieces that you need to shore up any rotational holes, any bullpen issues, but I just simply don't see it with St. Louis. We've talked about the power in the lineup. They have good enough pitching to take the division the biggest question is going to be when they face the Dodgers or the Padres right. come playoff time. So we'll right. see if the pitching can hold up when it gets to that point. But I think at a minimum, it gets to that point for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, league championship series at the very least for the St. Louis Cardinals. Let's rewind back to the American League Central. And I watched an interview with Lucas Giolito, who's projected to be the opening day starter for the Chicago White Sox. And I listened to him very carefully. Ring or bust is becoming the credo on the south side. And with what they're putting together right now, as much as I'd like to think the Minnesota Twins are going to challenge just in the last couple of weeks, seeing the attitude of the interviews of the Chicago White Sox team, don't be surprised if the White Sox also win 100 games this year. This club is powerful. They're loaded and they're ready to go, Brian. You've got some really young pieces over there on the south side that it's just going to be entertaining to watch. Lucas Giolito, I think he could be a front runner for the Cy Young this year if he puts all the pieces together and really has that breakout campaign that everybody expects from him. And I know you certainly being a massive fan of that organization are ready for him to take control of that rotation and do it in a big way. I, I simply cannot wait to see how the Central shakes out. And with a couple of moves the Twins made, I certainly can't say that it's a guarantee guarantee that the White Sox win 100 plus games yeah but I really like the Matt Shoemaker signing for one year two million dollars I think that shores up a rotational hole for them mm -hmm. and then they also retain the services of Nelson Cruz True. that's a big thing for the Minnesota Twins and then you've got Josh Donaldson still in the fold there's still some pieces over there in Minnesota that can compete but I definitely do like the optimism coming out of the south side of Chicago and you certainly have every reason to be optimistic this is the first time I've been optimistic in back-to-back -back seasons I uh, since our World Series year of 2005 so we agree that it's it's the Cardinals division to lose going back to the uh, National League Central while we while we have a few minutes it it, they, it, it takes them the R and out of signing you get a corner third baseman who's been durable who's been healthy, who's been an all-star, who's been a defensive stalwart, who's been a slugger at the plate, and you pair him with Paul Goldschmidt and the rest of that St. Louis lineup, man, where's Whitey Herzog when you need him? 
No kidding. And I mean, that's the other thing too. We haven't even talked about Paul DeJong yet. Like there, there's still some guys that, that are not even going to get the credit that they deserve being behind these power bats. And I kind of liken it. I really liken the St. Louis Cardinals to the New York Yankees this year in the sense that they've got a lot of really big name power in Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and then a bunch of other guys who can hammer the baseball. Mm -hmm. And then again, on the flip side with the Yankees, you've got Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and then four or five other insert name hitters that could be very, very good hitters on a lot of other major league ball clubs. I think it's going to be an absolute bashing the ball fest in St. Louis this year, and there's going to be not a lot of teams, especially within their own division, that can stop them. Man, ain't ain't that the truth. They're going to run out of fireworks at Bush Stadium and in, in St. Louis this year, you know, and to get back to the Cubs for just a moment while we have about 90 seconds remaining, to get back to the Cubs for just a moment, just five years ago, they won the World Series. They finally ended the curse of all curses. Now it seems like it's going to multiply with Chris Bryant being being on the block at the trade deadline, Anthony Rizzo being on the block at the trade deadline, a couple of others. And remember, not only did they lose you, Darvish, they also lost John Lester. Oh, exactly. And that's the thing that just compounds the losses, right? At the end of the day, it's, it's been a long time since 2016, since that W flag was flying in the, on the north side of Chicago at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is about them. For whatever reason, it seems to be a pump and dump kind of team. They start <laughs> down, which, again, can be a really good thing. But when you have such passionate fans yeah. that you do at Wrigley Stadium every single game, yes. game in, game out, year in, year out, you have to put a competitive product on the field. Yeah, they absolutely. don't stand for development and i mean again a hundred plus year curse broken five years ago but i don't think they're primed for another hundred years Mm -mm. of waiting Mm -mm. i think they want to kind of get back to contention soon and they're gonna have to unload a couple of stalwarts from that 2016 team in order to do so yeah the first domino to fall was joe madden when he got when he got Mm -hmm. fired and he moved on so, like I said, don't be surprised if Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo are available at the trade deadline. And they're hungry teams that will be looking for them. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. That's Max Ritz joining me, talking baseball. And we're going to take you from now all the way through October and the 2021 World Series. It's going to be a fun weekly conversation. I look forward to it, my man. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pitchers and catchers report this week, Brian. Yes, indeed. in the air, pine tars, melon. It's fantastic. Let's have a great season. I want to see a lot of fireworks on the south side of Chicago and north of the border. I want to hear that home run horn a lot for you got for your Blue Jays. I want to hear it a lot, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> I yes, want to see, sir. Yes, sir. I want to hear it, and I want to hear Buck Martinez get so excited for home run calls, just like Jason Benetti does on the White Sox television network, and I'm still putting it out there. White Sox, Blue Jays for the American League Championship. I'm 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 still keeping it out there. It's going to be a fun season, Absolutely. man. Can't wait can't wait to talk for with sure, you and take sure. you through it. Thanks, man. 100%. Take care, Brian. Have a great evening. We'll talk soon. Oh man, can't wait. Can't wait. I'm still putting it out there. White Sox and Blue Jays for the American League Championship. Who knows? As far as the National League Central goes, I I hate to say this to a lot of Cup fans that I know, but it's going to be all about the Cardinals. And it's going to stay that way for a while especially since the signing of one Nolan Arenado. That is what's going to be the difference. I'm, my time is up. Thank you to Max Ritz and Dimitri Ravenos. Thank you to all of the folks that make this show as great as it is, and it's getting better. Until tomorrow, have a move your best move. 
And always remember, if your dreams don't scare you, then they're not big enough. Dream big, do bigger. I am, and I hope you all are too. Follow the show at Official SIT Morning on all of our. I'll catch you tomorrow, 8 a.m. for another. In the morning, out of here. Bye, y'all. <laughs>